Well, as you're seated, please take out your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back right in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that one that's, that you find in the seat back behind you or before you as, your, as our gift to you and take it home and please begin to read it um, every day. And so today we're going to begin by reading it from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how deep, high, excuse me, high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure in all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory and in, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, for the past five weeks, we've been in a message series called Airplane Mode. And the series is inspired by the book, the book um, by Rich Velotis called Good and Beautiful and Kind. And some of you have probably been on the Wednesday after or Wednesday evening book discussions that Pastor Tom's been having. The idea behind airplane mode is that it is a seldom used feature on our cell phones, but it's one of the most useful. Putting our phones into airplane mode keeps an aircraft safe by disabling Wi-Fi and other ways that our phones might interfere with operations. But most importantly, it temporarily disconnects us from the constant flood of notifications and information that bombard us. We need downtime. We need rest. We cannot always be on. We were created to to disconnect from the distractions and divisions around us so that we might connect with the one who makes us whole. God. In the scripture we just read, the Apostle Paul prayed that the church of Ephesus might be established, rooted and established in love. Ephesus was a city in ancient Greece, now part of western Turkey, and Pastor Paul, as we might call him, wrote 13 books of the New Testament, almost half of the New Testament, most of which are letters to churches like this one to the church at Ephesus. His letters were often circulated and read in many churches beyond the one to which it was addressed. 
and they are still addressed to churches today. Paul's prayer that we be rooted and established in love is as applicable for you and for me as it is or as it was for Christ's followers at Ephesus. And this is timely because throughout this series, Pastor Tom has given you a new way of thinking about sin. Rich Volotis, the author of the book, suggests that sin is a failure to love. Well, I don't know about you, but I had to kind of think about this for a while. You see, when I've always thought about sin of being the bad stuff that I did. You know, the people I hurt, or the things I broke, or the things that I should have done but didn't do. There are a whole lot of sin things like those in my collection, and probably in yours. But when you think about all the bad things you've ever done, don't they all come down to the fact that we failed to love? So I wondered where the author might have come up with this definition of sin. Well, it comes straight from the Bible, as you might have guessed. Matthew recounts in his gospel about a time when the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus into saying something blasphemous. The Pharisees were the religious elite at the time, and they were none too happy that their their popularity was being eroded by this Jesus fellow. One of the Pharisees, who was an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now let me pause right here for a minute. Did you notice the first word Jesus answered? Love. We'll talk about that more in a minute. There's something else to be aware of. Did you notice that the Pharisee asked which is the greatest commandment in the law? Don't miss the in the law part. Remember, this question was meant to be a trap. So Jesus gave an answer that every intentionally religious and observant Pharisee would know by heart. Jesus' answer wasn't a surprise to anyone. And he was holding them accountable for it. The first and the greatest commandment didn't originate in the Gospel of Matthew that we're reading. It had been, because Matthew hadn't been written yet, it came from the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament, a book that the Pharisees had for at least 500 years. Jesus continued, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That second commandment came from the Old Testament book of Leviticus. So the Pharisees didn't have much to say for a while. Because they knew it. Jesus wasn't just trying to avoid the snare of a trick question. When he said that all the law and the gospel, all prophets, everything hang on these two commandments, he was telling us the most important thing to God. It's all about love. Love is what's important to God. 
Because God is love. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. When we don't love, it makes sense that it's called sin. Sin is the failure to love, and it's at the root of everything else we've ever called sin. Now, I've been trying to come up with an example of failing to love that we would all understand. One jumped out to me from a movie that Mary and I love to watch, especially every year at Christmas. So at the risk of bringing up Christmas again when you've probably already got your decorations put away, perhaps you'll recognize this character. Yes, it's Ebenezer Scrooge from the novel A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. The story was written in 1843, and it's been a defining tale of the Christmas holiday for English speakers ever since. Now, even if you've never read the story and haven't seen any one of the movies, you probably know that if anybody calls you Scrooge, it's not a compliment, right? And you've all almost certainly heard the expression, and you can say it with me, Christmas, bah humbug. Well, that all comes from Ebenezer here, who goes through most of his life as a cold-hearted miser who despises Christmas, and everyone else for that matter. His life is defined by a failure to love. Now, I won't give away the story describing the escapades of his redemption, but he does end up learning to love love others and to display love in an incredible ways. And I've wondered whether Scrooge found Christ in the process because love comes from God. Well, we learned that from the disciple for whom this church, St. John, is named. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who does not love does not know God. Because love, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The love of God is a theme throughout that continues throughout Scripture from beginning to end. We read the greatest commandments from the Gospel of Matthew a little earlier, where Jesus quotes two commandments that came from the earliest Old Testament law. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the Apostle Paul wrote his Gospels and his letters, including 1 John that we just read, when he was an old man. He had seen, he was the last living disciple. He had seen the other disciples die 
of, as martyrs, and he had had a lot of time to reflect on what the events of Christ were all about. And he was urged to write it all down before he died. He, he concludes this, God is love, and he loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and to rise again so that you, your sins may be forgiven. You will leave here forgiven today. We need to be reminded of God's love for us every day. We need to be reminded that Christ forgives us every day. That's why Pastor Tom and I urge you to read your Bible every day. And if you've never been sure where to begin, this letter, 1 John, that I just read from, or the Gospel of John, is the perfect place to start. And I'll let you in on a secret. All the messages that Pastor Tom and I will be bringing during the Sundays of Lent are based in the Gospel of John. So this is your chance to begin begin reading John and get ahead of us. Let's go back to Paul's prayer. He's praying for you and for me that we be rooted and established in love, that we will grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God, Christ, that we will know that God's love surpasses all knowledge and that we will be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Abide in the assurance that God truly loves you and that his son Jesus Christ forgives you of all your failures to love, all your sins. Amen.